Footy and Frothy, September 29th. Uh, I was looking right at the date and it still didn't work. Uh, I'll get that right one day, maybe in 2023. It is September 29th as we look back at prelim final footy as well as looking forward to the big grand final coming up Sunday evening. Daggy, Barney and Ollie with you for footy and frothies as always. Barney, how was uh, prelim final weekend? I know I keep saying semis, but how was the <laughs> finals footy weekend and what's going on? Oh, a couple of cracking games of football, I thought. Um, obviously, some some performances that a couple of the teams would have wished they'd played a little bit better, but I thought they were, uh, as a whole, pretty good games of football. Uh, the rest of the week's been pretty much the same same old um, run and replay as every other week <laughs> since lockdown. Got the three year old birthday tomorrow, so that should be a bit of fun. So oh, she's been locked down birthday. both. Has she been locked down both birthdays? Yeah, second and third birthday. Yeah. Man, that sucks. <laughs> I suppose she doesn't know any better, but saves yeah, we'll you some, saves you a quid or two, I suppose. <laughs> we'll probably get her out the front and see some of the kids in the street and have a play with the toys, but yeah, yeah a bit of fun. Beautiful. And Ollie, uh, fresh off a uh, fresh 5G injection this afternoon. How are you feeling? You're sounding much better, <laughs> so it must be working. Oh, other than the um, the horns protruding from my spine, I feel all right. Um, I, yeah, double vax now. All three of us are double vax, so good news there. We'll be able to get straight back into the, um, the in-person content very shortly, but yeah, a bit of an eventful day. Went and got that done, and I got my microphone and shit for my roadcaster, and had to get the fearless leader, the old dagster, to help me out a bit. And so it you had to turn the power on, <laughs> the, the volume up. Because <laughs> yeah. um, on here, it's got the headphone thing, and it's got the like one, two, three, four for the different ports. And I figured, oh, I'll just turn number one up. But I didn't realize you've also got to turn up the actual USB thing. Mm-hmm. as well um but all's well that ends well and also i've got to get used to talking close to this microphone and towards it um maybe a little bit asmr so i don't turn and you stop hearing you <laughs> talk completely so apologies if that happens um on a couple of occasions but um that, that's what practice is for isn't it and we're gonna we're gonna do it live we're gonna practice on the show for more of Ollie's live tech specs, check out Rugby League, in my opinion, on YouTube and hear more of that. Uh, how'd you pull up from the, the jab? You all good? Uh, uh, I had a nap this afternoon when I got home and I woke up about an hour ago and my arm feels like it's hanging on off a bit of a thread up yeah. here a little bit. But they said uh, the second jab, your arm always feels worse. So uh, I've just been expecting that. But other than that, I'm feeling all yeah. right again, uh, other than those um, those uh, horns protruding from my spine. Mm-hmm. but. I take it those will subside. You can sign it. You can um, have them sanded off anyway. Uh, yeah, I had it on Monday. I, again, just went and laid down for a while and wasn't too bad. I was fine the next day. So you don't know how much of that stuff is placebo either. You start sort of thinking, oh, well, should I feel shit? I think I feel a bit shit. Oh, yeah, oh. well, as soon as she said, oh, it's going to hurt, like your arm's going to hurt more than the last one, my right arm started killing me for some reason. And for a while, both arms were hurting. I was thinking, can you stop hurting, you dickhead? Because I know it's not real and it's a pain in the ass. But um, yeah. Amazing. How yeah. was your week, Dougie? Uh, busy. No, good. Just uh, getting into a few things for work and uh, the big races are on, so getting tied up with that and trying to get stuff done for that. And uh, show us your tips as well for Epsom Day coming up. So lots and lots on. Kids are here, school holidays. Uh, you tell you what, you notice a difference even from homeschooling to no schooling in school holidays. So <laughs> I do entertain them, but the neighbours have been looking after them during the day. So hopefully Friday I can spend a bit more time with them and... Uh, do it all again next week, but no, been good. I um, you know, snuck some footy in, and hopefully have made it out the other side of lockdown. That we're all back to 
back to doing this in person, as you said, very shortly. Uh, so, yeah, got through. Shall we talk some news? What do you got? Uh, well, I guess the big one of the week is... Oh, let's get the little one out of the week. Out of, well, a couple <laughs> out of the way that... Um, well, the the NRL Integrity Unit is looking at the alleged... Well, it's not alleged video. The video of alleged cocaine use from white powder use, I should say, from some NRL players, which uh, seemed pretty cut and dry to me, but that will either be explored further or be wiped under the carpet, I would suggest. Um, any thoughts on that and... Also, the incident involving young Reese Walsh, um, Ollie. Oh, well, uh, I was just thinking sort of uh, as a joke because um, uh, Cameron Munster's allegedly involved. If anything's wrong, he'll probably get off scot-free just like he does whenever he does anything wrong on the <laughs> field. But um, no, in all, in all seriousness, um, you know, the, the NRL Integrity Unit will do what they have to and they'll come to a consensus. They've also as well got to be working uh, with the police if they want to launch an investigation um, as well. So we'll, we'll see how that turns out. But, um, oh, look, just from my perspective, it doesn't, doesn't look great. I know we can't say they were doing anything in particular, but I, I feel like it, it's going to be a hard one for them to get out of. And with Reese Walsh's one, um, I guess good on him for coming up straight away and, and admitting uh, publicly what he did. But based off of how the, the story sounds and the police report I read, it was a very stupid move by him or sorry I should say a very stupid non-move because he was told to move on from his current spot because he was drinking publicly all he had to do was just walk down the road I think and the police wouldn't have come back 45 minutes later to um to then say hold on a minute didn't we tell you to move from here and then arrest him but um yeah again he's, he's only 19 and as someone you know that's only 21 as well I can sort of I guess sympathize with that that you're going to make mistakes but the important thing is to grow from those mistakes and learn from them. So hopefully he does that. I thought the uh, well, look, there was a couple of there's the first week I can remember actually where uh, there hasn't been complete outrage about it. Where I think a lot of the comments have been, well, this is what everyone does. So what do you want us to do about it? I think even Valandi said something along the lines of, well, the the stuff that happens in NRL is no different uh, to anything that happens in real life. And uh, given uh, a high number of tradies, I would know frequent similar activities i am not surprised um young young men who earn multiples of that amount do the same thing but uh barney any takeaways from any of that exactly the same as what you just said mate it's it's a problem in society and it's something that's obviously going to filter through to the nrl as well um obviously the footage doesn't show them actually um doing anything particularly uh, that's going to get themselves in trouble with the police, I wouldn't imagine. Um, they may maybe watch a little bit closer in the future, but we'll see what happens there. Um, I imagine the NRL will eventually suspend them for a couple of weeks just for bringing the game into disrepute. Uh, obviously, the optics of it is not what you want splashed across the TVs. And the or news maybe papers. 10 grand each, 5 or 10 grand or something. Yeah, well, there's, there's talk of um, quite the hefty fines for the Melbourne players, but... Um, up, upwards of 30 to 40 grand, but we'll see what happens there. Um, there was a third one introduced into the conversation today as well. Um, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure of the name. It's one of the young back rowers, but um, yeah, so Chris Lewis. Um, 
obviously the Warriors got on the front foot straight away and got um, into the media and obviously they're doing what they can to get him straight, uh, get young Walsh straight into some counselling and some drug and alcohol counselling and stuff like that. So I think he may escape with a, a slightly lesser penalty, but I'd imagine they will all get a minimum of two week suspension for bringing the game into disrepute, possibly three or four going into next year. But Well, good on the Warriors, I'd say, in terms of a proactive reaction we've seen in the past clubs maybe try to not necessarily hide it but sort of stay Just away from don't want to talk about it yeah Cameron George was there with Bruce Walsh they fronted it straight away but I guess with the Melbourne Storm situation as well as athletes they got to remember uh pick and choose who you hang out with don't hang out with any potential fuckwits who are this just there to um to mm-hmm. you know, ride off your coattails and possibly uh, try to film you doing something incriminating because this is what happens. This is, uh, it's very much, uh, it's an easy, this, all the PR people would have uh, ready-made statements now for young people who say, oh, we're, they're seeking counselling and um, we'll endeavour to be better and everyone moves on. Isn't that what happens these days? So, uh, well, It's interesting that there's no comment out of the storm. Obviously, we'll see, <laughs> there'll, there'll be oh, I would suspect that's uh, much more damning. Yeah. Seems but also, be. I think there'll be a suggestion of let's all just shut up for a while and if it goes happens. away a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so I guess we'll see what the integrity unit has to offer there. Uh, Billy Slater named officially as Queensland coach. Uh, so that is done and dusted, I suppose. Uh, and there was an article today somewhere um, that Cameron Smith has said he's happy to help him out. So I assume that direction will be followed along at some point. Uh, you know, is there anything we really need to talk about that? I'd imagine there'd be a couple of people that will get around him. It'd be interesting to see what sort of team he puts around him when he gets in there next year. But um, no, everyone says he's one of the better football minds that are going around, so it seems like a pretty decent decision. I understand, yeah. He was quite... Uh, Cameron Smith, again, was quite complimentary of Billy Slater's football acumen throughout the week. Yeah, and you know what? We, we've spoken at nauseam about how coaching in State of Origin is completely different to coaching at NRL level. And that's possibly one of the things that let Paul Green down. He coached too much as opposed to sort of mentoring and inspiring his players uh, when they're in the camp. But I think Billy Slater being a Queensland Maroons legend, he fits the bill more of a mentor perfectly and fits more of that similar bill to a Brad Fittler. Um, So I'd say his chances of being successful, as hard as they will be going up against this New South Wales side next year, uh, I feel like Queensland's chances are probably a bit better now. And in terms of who he'll have around him, I think Cameron Smith's definitely one, and I take it he'll probably keep Jonathan Thurston around. I think they're pretty good to each other, and especially someone who's now been in camp in in Thurston um, as a coach or a mentor already. um, That's going to help Slater out a bunch, having someone like that there. And, And Neil Henry would be... Uh, perfect to keep around. He's been there for years and years. Kid know that yeah, he knows the the story. I'm sure he'll be there and uh, do the ultimate uh, game plans and whatnot. Uh, the Dally M awards uh, are fire in the books now, and no surprise. Tommy Turbo, 32 points. I think that was the equal highest in the last in recent times. Is that correct? From 15 regular season games and won by with a game in hand, essentially. Uh, so no surprises with any of that, is there, boys? No, no absolutely not. Something to add, like to the the shockiness, I guess, of the season he's had. Um, Thirty-five it, points. Like, um, I think Tom Trevojevic is now he's either first or second 
in the list of players to have played the least amount of games yet still win the Dalian medal. He's either now played the second least or the least amount of games to go on and win it. And to have that record tying, as he said, season is absolutely freakish. Yeah. Barn, any dead? Yeah, well, he got 35 out of the possible. Like the most he could have got was 45. So that just tells you how good he was on a consistent basis. He was um, pretty much every game he played, we said it all the way through the year. Every every time he ran out there, he was close to the best on the field if he wasn't the best. So, um, yeah, absolutely deserved. Uh, there was one or two that were higher up the ladder than I thought, but I think we, we did a pretty good job with, with what we collated as well, so. So the final top five, 35 points, Travojevic, 30 to Cleary, 29 to Walker, 23 to DCE, who, uh, kudos to him, I guess we found him, at least you've got to say the judges did too, 23 to Tedesco, and I would have envisaged had RTS have stayed, he may have finished well into that top five yeah, there because he was, close. Yeah. he was he uh, was in the top three, I think, when he left, or three or four, anyway. Uh, the other awards for the afternoon. Of the evening, uh, Bellamy Coach of the Year, probably no surprise there. Uh, I think it was as we flagged between him and Robbo. Yep. Sam Walker, Rookie of the Year. Uh, James Tedesco, Captain of the Year. Again, we probably uh, flagged lots of that as well, for all of that. Uh, Proven Summons Medal, which I guess was for the moment of the year, was Josh Morris comforting Brett after his season ended. And the full uh, team of the year, In uh, we'll go from back to front. Fullback of the year, Tommy Turbo. Wingers of the year, Garrick and Tuo. Centres of the year, Burton and Ollum. 5'8 of the year, Cody Walker. Halfback, Cleary. Props, Fisher, Harris and Payne Haas. Hookers, Brandon Smith. Second rower, Kikau and Papaihi. And the lock was Isaiah Yo. Any surprises there? The only one I will mention is I thought Kikau may have been a little bit lucky, but uh, what do you think, Barn? Absolutely. That's the one that stood out to me. I thought, um, obviously, it's a little bit of a popular vote, the Daly M. Um, I think, obviously, sometimes people get uh, get a few points on reputation more than anything else. And But um, I'd, I'd be picking three or four different second rowers in any, if I was running a team before I'd be picking Kikau. But that's just, you know, that's just my opinion, so... Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a bit of my Titans bias coming into it. And I don't think David Fafita should have been one of the second rows of the year. But for him to, I don't even think he was in the, the nominees. So for Kikau to not only be nominated, but to win it, and Fafita not to be even nominated, I personally think Fafita still probably had overall a better season than Viliami Kikau. So that was a bit of a surprise. But um, I think Papali'i deserved it. But to go with him, I probably, even though he had a, a relatively poor in some areas finish to the season, I probably still would have gone Satili. Um, that, that's who sort of jumps out at me at the moment. But again, his end to the season prob- probably let him down a little bit. Um, yeah, it was a tough one. A lot of the back rowers missed a, a bit of time through suspension I, I think, and yeah, injury, which doesn't help. I think but. if Angus Crichton doesn't miss six games... Oh, Crichton. He's a walk-up. I'd almost still pick him probably, but um, that is me. I don't even think Crichton was nominated either. Well, the, the trouble trouble with it is if you're if you're saying Kikau and Fafida are like for like, Fafida was better than him. Yeah, 100%. If you're comparing apples to apples, if you're going to go, if you're going to make the argument, which I sort of would, that an Angus Crichton or a, a, a workhorse back rower 
uh, or a more consistent back rower relative to their team. So uh, 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 Dale Finuca and a Luciano even. Uh, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head now. Those sort of players, um, I, I could probably name five if I really sat and thought, which I haven't even done, I'll be honest. But um, yeah, like for like, for Fida won more games for his club and easily than uh, Kickout did in that same position. Uh, There's a bit of chat around the centres. Um, a few people that I'd seen around the traps mentioning that they thought Manu possibly should have oh, been a mention in there, maybe in front of Olam or sort of same sort of, you know. I would probably have, I would personally have Manu in front of Olam, but the argument that his best football was played at fullback. Well, well that's the thing. As, that as might as be a, the tricky one. As a Joseph Manu lover, I'm actually um, on the Justin Olam side of things because, There's yeah. Someone. On multiple occasions this year, Manu actually played at fullback and 5'8". So it's not necessarily that he's had a better or worse season than Olam, but Olam's just played in the centres more. Like, Olam was good, but when it comes down to Dali M points, it's generally an impact in a game, whereas Manu would be good in consistent in every game, whereas Olam had games where he had a massive impact on those games, which would have scored him some... Which takes a lot more notice than what uh, Manu just doing his job does. And unfortunately for Manu, I think in just about every game where Manu had a blinder, so did Teddy. Yes. And who are the voters going to go for? I mean, <laughs> but it was evident he finished in the top five. So, mm. yeah. Uh, tackle of the year, Xavier Coates. Yeah, try of the year, Tom Turbo's try uh, against the Cowboys. And hard, the VB hardworking player of the year, Isaiah Papaihi. So that wraps up all of that. Any final thoughts there? Good. The, the right. VB one's a bit interesting to me. I, obviously, I'd like to see exactly how they break it down um, and go into it a little bit deeper. Just, you know, Papa Lee played probably half the season. He played 50 or 60 minutes. So there's, there would have been some guys like your Murrays and Yo's that were playing for 80 minutes every game yeah. that, you know, you could argue would probably be more deserving of that sort of award. But... I'd be interested to see if that was a genuine uh, point scoring thing where they keep their hard earned index and add it all up at the end of the year, or whether it's whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't, <laughs> whether it's just a bit of a wink. Some, someone asked Fletch because I think he might be the only person. Maybe Fletch just picks it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and because if it is a, a accumulated tally, then obviously Cam Murray missed games through uh, origin and injury and. Uh, there's a suspension there somewhere as well. So, you know, just being on the field, I guess. Uh, I hey, guess absolutely deserved his quarters. He had a great season. Yeah, yeah. Trying and to that's, take anything no, away from the bloke. 100%. Uh, I feel like that award, though, is that it's going to be fun. It, it's an interesting way in which they're voting for it, but I feel like we're not going to hold it relatively to no. my <laughs> high esteem. For his, um, so, yeah. It, it's a fun concept, though, and good on them. But, yeah. Something to do. Uh, now the news. Not off the top of my head. Uh, just South Sydney accusing Penrith of more shit, which no. I'm sort of at the point now where I'm starting to think this is maybe becoming a little bit of a tactic because it seems to be every goddamn week. And my – so basically, I, I don't know exactly which point it is, but South Sydney have apparently gone to the NRL and complained about Penrith's other trainer who's taken over for the one that's suspended about something that happened in the game against the Storm. So not even the Parramatta game. And – Wayne Bennett was the one who came out and accused Penrith of tactics and stuff in the first week of the finals. Melbourne were apparently accusing Penrith of 
uh, creating a plan to in, um, to influence the referee in the third week of the final. So I'm starting to see a little bit of a theme here and I just hope and pray that it doesn't become a consistent theme in years to come that when we hit finals time, everyone just starts pointing the finger at each other as a tactic. I really hope that doesn't happen in years to come. Wayne's been doing it for decades. He's done it four or five times during the year this year as well. <laughs> and he's done it as Queensland coach and New Leading Zealand coach and every other coach. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not just Wayne now. Like, as I said, um, Melbourne were apparently even making allegations. So I just hope it doesn't become a wise. Well, they know. The thing is, if you make an allegation, you know it's going to get focused on. And that was, I think, the point. Absolutely. And if it takes two or three days of the media talking about that rather than pulling your team apart and, you know, putting glaring weaknesses or, you know, putting your strengths on show to everybody in the world. It's um, you know, it's just a diversion tactic to try and um, take the, the heat off the players. I think. Yeah, at the end of the day, the last two weeks <clears throat> has finally broken me, and I've stopped watching all those rugby league shows. Anyway, it's all the same. It when it's the same people, yeah, the same. Very much just, so. I've, I, I don't even tune in anymore. And for twenty five rounds of the year, I did, but uh, you know, it doesn't interest me. I don't read the paper now, and it's, we'll move on. I think uh, as much as I love footy, it's probably peaking at the right time to keep us all fresh over summer. <laughs> I, I'm I'm done after this weekend. <laughs> yes. So, uh, anyway, let's get to Friday night where the first prelim final resulted in the Rabbitohs 36 defeating the Seagulls 16 in front of 26,249 people. Uh, yeah, Bunnies turned up and were outstanding again, Barney. Weren't they? Uh, seven tries to three, four out of seven conversions for Souths and two out of three for Manly. 77% completion played 67%. 37 out of 48 sets played 24 out of 30. 500-plus running metres and 140-plus post-contact metres for Souths over the top of Manly. Four line breaks to five. 33 tackle busts to 34. 11 offloads to five. Three force dropouts by Souths, zero by Manly. Zero 40-20s. 306 tackles played 351. Three ruck infringements to four, one inside the 10 by Souths, one penalty conceded to four, 11 errors by Souths, 17 by Manly, and the sin bin to the Manly side. Cook made 38 tackles, Jake Dubojevic made 56, Murray made 195 metres, and Garrick made 222. Uh, Graham missed four tackles and made 18, Walker missed four and made 20. Uh, Croker for the Manly side missed five, but he also made 51, so he might, he might get a pass mark for that one. Tommy missed three, made eight, and Garrick missed two and only made one tackle. Mm. What did you make of uh, the game itself? Oh, mate, the first 10 minutes of this game pretty much was the was the blueprint for this entire game. Um, Kepi gets knocked out in the first five minutes. Manly make error after error and just continually give the ball back to South, give them field position and opportunity. And then um, yeah, well, the first try was a, a little grubber that bounced off three or four different people. Manly blokes knocked it on. A South bloke knocked it back. And the South bloke picked it up and scored a try. So... The bounce of the ball absolutely went South's way for the majority of this game. Uh, don't get me wrong, Manly didn't ever look like being, um, you know, look like taking control of this game. They they looked okay in patches when they got down into South's end and got some ball. But for that first 20 minutes, they barely had the ball at all. Um, South just continually pressured their line when they had the ball, made very little mistakes, gave gave Manly absolutely nothing for that first 15 to 20 minutes. Um, Taff looks like he's starting to 
really sync up with that back line. Like that cutout ball that he put AJ over for, that was a brilliant pass from the young kid. Um, obviously spent a time, bit of time in the halves, so, so he can pass the ball. Is he their half option next year? Apparently so, yes. Right, okay. Keep going. We, yeah, I don't apparently wanna... he's going to move into the seven when um, when the, the yeah, Reynolds moves on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, when Manly did have the ball, they started to sort of, they did break Souths open at different times. And um, then Tommy, another story for the game, they got across the line and they then Tommy just couldn't get the ball down. And like every other game this year, he scores that try pretty much, you know, they just all fall off him and he puts it down yeah. and then they, they're back. But they they drop that one, bomb that one. And then the next one, they score on the other side of the field and it gets called back for an obstruction, which you know, we've m- mentioned it many times. The, they're that far away from where the actual obstruction happens. That player was never going to be in the line to make the tackle, but yeah. uh, under the, the letter of the law, of yeah, under the letter of the law, I had no issue at all with the call. But no, exactly. it was never going to, um, never going to. He change wasn't going to get across there and stop the try. No, no absolutely not. But um, uh, that little cook, a kick from Cook, that was brilliant. <laughs> Man, he didn't contest the ball at all, and then it bounces straight back to a South player. Cook does a little donut in the backfield and then puts that kick through for Walker. That was a brilliant kick off his off his wrong foot as well uh, for Walker to score. And then it's 22-0 at halftime and mainly we're never coming back after that. Um, they, they did score straight after halftime and I sort of thought, well, maybe if they get the ball and control it for pretty much the whole second half, they might get an opportunity. But then... Five minutes later, Souths are down on Manly's try line and the old boy puts Graham over with a nice little short pass and this game was all over. Um, <laughs> Paulo running backwards off that kick, that was probably, <laughs> I had, that was the biggest laugh I had or not. Actually, I really enjoyed the, the moonwalk when he... Actually, <laughs> he uh, I, I did get a text. Reverse. I got one text for the night uh, from our good friend Damo and all it said was <laughs> running backwards 10 metres to score. Pure filth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was real good. We got in there, but um, and then you know, Sully actually made a couple of breaks in the back end of the game, but he he had very little impact up until the last sort of ten minutes of the of the game, and then Taff again with a lovely little tap on for the last try of the game. But pretty much every South player on the field ran for over hundred meters. If you go and have a look at the stats, I think there was only two players out of the seventeen that didn't run over hundred meters. And, Cam and then you look at 90s. the yeah, and they were nineties. And then you have a look at the manly side, and there was only four players that made it over hundred meters. Yeah, and um, you know, Jake and Garrick, Jake and um, Garrick, I thought were probably the best players for the manly side. And the two back rowers had a pretty good go, but they were just out muscled in the middle of the field. Cameron Murray. Was Cameron Murray and Cook were the best two players I thought for the South team. They absolutely dominated the middle, especially in defence. They just didn't let any any manly momentum go through the middle of that field. And then Walker and AJ cashed in the, on the back of it, but there was a really good team effort from South. I thought. Ollie, it's almost as if South Sydney went, "Oh, that thing we did against Penrith worked pretty well. Let's try doing that again and see if it works again." And it did just absolutely kill a manly through the middle. There have been a couple of times this year where I think we've brought up Manly's forwards have looked a little bit cracked, mm-hmm. if you will. They think, oh, okay, yeah. there, there is weaknesses here that can be exposed. And South Sydney just well and truly exposed them. Other than really Jake or Olakawatu, really, mm-hmm. for me, they just absolutely dominated them. And as you said, Barn, pretty much every forward for South Sydney 
ran over 100 metres, uh, bar Jacob Host, who only played nine minutes in the entire game. So, yeah. Um, But, yeah, they just absolutely killed him. And yet you have to have a pretty stern defence to be able to, to take that on, um, that forward pack just coming at you. Uh, I think, well, the way Penrith defended in the other game, I think they're probably a, a chance at maybe stopping them, but Manly definitely weren't. They just got... Uh, absolutely hammered. And then that was the story for the rest of the game. They laid that foundation. It was very similar to the game against Penrith, although Penrith's probably a bit of a better side than Manly, and that's why the the gap wasn't as big. But it, it was the same sort of foundation. First 20 minutes, I think, as you brought up, Barney just absolutely go at him. They did that. And then that's when they could start really, you know, getting the ball to your walkers and out to your AJs, et cetera. And I thought Walker was great as well, um, capping off a great Dallium contending season I think it's probably the highest he's finished in the count and um oh I was about to say a good way to sign off but he's playing this weekend um a, a good way it was definitely a, a big part in getting his team to the grand final I think you've covered off pretty well boys um I just want my main point was I just mentioned what a star cam Murray is uh 195 run meters 35 tackles I think and he missed one uh or two and all those tackles meant something as well uh some key offloads and just uh his ability to just with Cook control that middle was just uh, such a difference maker in this game. They, with the Manly Fords, I think it's a case of, I mean, with all due respect, because they're good players and they're even better players, but it was uh, it felt a bit like the men versus the boys, and it has a couple of games. Uh, it, had, it did in the Melbourne game too, and I flagged it a little bit. Uh, and they tried very hard, and they're, you know, they're going to be good players, but uh, under the absolute clutch, they just got hammered. Uh, I'm going to have one more shot at Alloway. I think he's actually gone backwards since he's left the Tigers. Who? Exactly. Oh, Ola Alloye, is it? Oshe Alloye. Oshe Alloye. <laughs> if that's not a, a fantastic new nickname, that is. Um, I hope he's getting called that, and I'm sure he will be by all his teammates. Oh, but uh, he was very ineffective and does stupid stuff at stupid times. Uh you know, and Jake's a one-man wall at times, having to hold that back. They'll be better for it. They're going to be a better team next year, especially the back row. Uh, and just lastly, what a masterstroke it's been promoting the professor ever since he's gone into the starting lineup. Their pack's grown a leg, uh, and and uh, the offshoot is Tom off the bench has been fantastic ever since as well. Uh, so good on them. They're now a, a tough, big, bruising team, Souths, uh, out of nowhere. I think we would have, would have predicted that at round 19 when we said they couldn't win their comp with no forwards, or someone did here. Um, and, uh, well, the defence has improved out of sight in the yeah. last, what, six to eight weeks, probably since Latrell's gone. The, the defence has just gone to another level. They're keeping teams to 12, 10, 12 points, whereas they were conceding 50 against Penrith and Manly, uh, Melbourne, and, and the, they conceded that whole time they've times kept, earlier. They've kept the opposition in the opposition half for... 70% of the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, been fantastic, uh, and we'll get to our preview later, but very impressed uh, from what I've seen and from all reports. Uh, Adam Reynolds will be fine this week, so we'll get to that soon. Um, oh, well, if Cooper Cronk plays in the 2018 grand final, then I think um, Adam Reynolds plays in this one. I, I just wanted to bring up, though, quickly before we mm-hmm. moved on, it, you're underselling Cam Murray a whole lot. Because he actually didn't miss any tackles. Oh, didn't he? Sorry, I that's thought it was per- That's how perfect he is. Well, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> he jumps in at seven a, a little bit as well. Not as much as your likes of his Isaiah Yo, but he does get in there on that big backline sweep, which gives gets his seven and his six that one part that one player wider. So they've got that little bit more room and time to do the do what they need to do to get their 
outside backs into the corners. So. Well, we've talked about how important it is that the top, if you said the top four, let's say the, uh, without in, without putting him in ordering, but Yo, Jake Turbo, Cam Murray, and Radley all do that. Absolutely, all, uh, yeah. and it is a massive part of, I guess, the the modern age lock now. Yeah, the ones that probably don't do it as much is um is the Melbourne team, but they they get the likes of the fullback jumping in there more so than yeah they're more than than yeah. Nelson because Nelson just runs over the top of people and tries to offload the ball. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Well, um, it was uh, in the week leading up to the game. I actually on Fox watched the Maddie Johns podcast, which they've recently brought back, and I like the way they've reinvented it because we've been calling for sort of a, an analytical show for so long. A and technical not- breakdown, yeah. And it's basically Matty Johns and Cooper Cronk actually talking about football and how it works for half an hour, which is impressive. And I think, oh, they, these guys actually, and these guys have an idea. But Matty was really going into sort of the history of the lock and how the lock, the main role of a lock, and sort of still has been over in England for years, like a loose forward, yep. as they're called, has been to be sort of that third half that comes in a bit of ball mm. playing. And the NRO at least sort of came away from that and in a way a lock sort of became a third second role. But a hundred percent was during that sort of Fitler, Greg Bird era. Yeah. It absolutely was. And then it's become another middle forward. But yeah, I know I um, have been meaning to check that show out, but time has been against me, unfortunately. Uh three two ones here, boys. Murray three, is that right? I had Murray Cook and then Walker. Yeah, I'm fine with that. <laughs> Let's move on to the Saturday afternoon game. Uh, I love me some Sunday afternoon footy, but Saturday afternoon was incredibly inconvenient uh, <laughs> during race day. But anyway, Penrith 10 defeated the minor premiers Melbourne 6. They said it couldn't be done, but it was. Uh, Someone would be. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get this out of the way now. Yeah, go on. I was thinking about how good it was. I got it right, blah, blah, blah. And then I, I've reminded myself of the fact I tipped Canberra to win the comp at the start of the year. So that instantly <laughs> just took any type of wind I had in my sails out. But so. you, did, you were the only one here that did tip both winners. So good job. Absolutely. Up, up the mighty green machine. And I got them both wrong, so I'm flying. But we had one try for the Storm, two for the Panthers. One out of one conversions played one out of two. 69% completion for Melbourne, 77% for Penrith. 34 out of 49 sets played 34 out of 44 sets. Two line breaks for both teams. 48 tackle busts by Melbourne, 42 by Penrith. 11 offloads to nine. Three force dropouts by Melbourne. 347 tackles played 387. Two ruck infringements to four. Two inside the tens from both teams. Three penalties conceded by the Storm, four conceded by Penrith. 16 errors to 12. Kenny Bromwich made 43 tackles. Coruscant made 51. Jerome Hughes made 199 metres. And Brian To'o made 217. Munster missed five tackles, made 26. Finnecane missed five and made 37. And Pappenhausen missed four and made eight. Burton missed six tackles and made 14. Cleary missed five and made 24. And Capewell missed seven, but he made 50. So, Ollie, what did you take away from it this well, within the first 10 minutes, I wasn't convinced Penrith was going to win or anything, but I thought, oh, geez, Penrith actually look like they have been for, you know, at least the first half of the season actually look like they're playing like Penrith again. And that they needed to um, in this game or they were going to get swept completely off the park. Melbourne were off the pace a bit too. 
it was just about their worst performance of the year. They have actually had a couple of stinkers where they have escaped with victory, like that game against the Cowboys, which again, up against a much worse opposition. So take from that what you will, but Melbourne sort of waited to the worst possible time to have that form slump and arguably the worst team they could have done it again, a Penrith or a Souths um, at the very least. But um, yeah, Penrith just, their goal line defense, especially defense all around, they are still surprisingly um, the best defensive team in the competition. And a lot of that is based off of the freakish record they had in that first half of the year. Um, and, and that's what they got back to. And it, it's good to see that come back this week because, and we'll get to it, but based off of what happened in the first week of the finals and what South Sydney are going to bring on Sunday, they, they're definitely going to need that same defensive effort. Um, I thought Paul Momorowski did relatively well to contain a just, Justin Ollum. That was one of the areas of weakness, I guess, that Penrith had, but he contained him relatively well. Brian Tyo coming back from injury as well. He must have um he must still be carrying a bit of a singer because he only um ran for 217 meters. So he must be feeling a bit crook. Um I've noticed as well he's got a an he's had an ankle brace on when they've been doing media and that I know as a piss take they they showed up uh, with him in the wheelchair but I believe his ankle does genuinely have a brace on it. So you know it probably doesn't hurt him to not be putting too much weight on his foot leading up to the grand final. So he's uh, fit and raring to go. I thought Dylan Edwards was amazing in this one as well. It seems like whenever he has an off game or an off couple of games and the criticism starts, he just has that blinder of a performance to sort of get him back um, to where he needs to be. And I thought Penrith's forwards matched um, Melbourne as well, which was key in this game. Um, it's sad to, to say and to see, especially because I know we were hyping him up heading into the finals, but TPJ won't be there on Sunday, which, um, you it's know, unfortunate but um uh yeah I, I thought Penrith well and truly matched them pretty much across the field Kurt Capewell and Isaiah as well just absolutely huge performances from them um and uh, I, I thought Capewell was probably just about the best player on the field with Yo not too far behind him fair enough Barn. yeah absolutely um agree with a lot of that uh, it's a really good tough game of footy uh it's got got a bit scrappy considering I thought both teams had generally a lot better in attack than what they were in this one. Um, There's a lot of loose ball and a lot of drop ball, which doesn't happen that often with these two, but it was a constant grind from, from the very first minute of the game till the end. Um, they're just constantly pressuring each other. The scramble defense was absolutely ridiculous. I reckon Penrith saved four tries, mm. like at That's, least three. Scott Sorensen. Um, <laughs> There's at least three times there where Melbourne score against anybody else, but the way that they got, they they had two or three blokes there as well um, to drag the drag. There was one time they actually dragged one of them back up for, over the try line. <laughs> he was already over the line, but they got him back. And yeah, I, I say they um, saved at least three tries, possibly four, and Melbourne saved at least two himself. Um, this could have been a lot. There could have been a lot more points in this game, but the defense from both sides was ridiculously good, um, especially the scramble on their own line. Um, Welch and Cheese obviously doesn't help when you lose both for them in the first twenty minutes of the game. Um, Welch was the HIA, obviously, and they say Cheese was, but there was no way that was a HIA. But anyway, they were only one player away, and one more HIA away from getting their nineteenth or eighteenth man into the game. Which I don't, you know, if that had happened, there would have been a few more question marks and a bit more talk around it. I would imagine. No, sure, but, Ivan would have winched. <laughs> um, the difference at the end of the day was the was that kick two minutes into the game. 
Oh, yeah. um, obviously, they pinpointed it. It had been picked out. It was a, it was a coach's play. Um, it was either him or <laughs> him or Nathan. One of them came up with it during the week, and they knew it, it was, was going to be they on said, at some they point. They out and out said it was the Tedesco play from yeah. They pinched back it off, in round, off the roosters round fifteen, but yeah, Tedesco yeah. kicked. Did the same obviously, they, the father and son had probably sat down during the probably they'd probably been playing in it for weeks, mate, or months, <laughs> as we yeah. said, since round seven or whatever it was. But they knew there was an opportunity there and it was a pinpoint kick to um, Crichton in the corner and ended up being the difference in the game, uh, realistically. Uh, There was only two players, I thought, from the Storm team that were actually a constant threat in attack. um, And that was Jerome Hughes and Nelson Asofa Solomona. Um, The rest of them seemed to lose their head a little bit and started doing that sideways stuff that we've talked about. Um, They felt very, um, very frantic very early. They did, absolutely. Uh, and and they the, didn't seem to have a plan to break Penrith down. Um, they but, seemed to go to and, the edges a little bit too early for mine. Yeah. I thought they should have played well, I think what, a little bit I think that's more, just where Cheese... Those games where they were like that, Cheese was the one who used to straighten them up. Yep. And uh, I think they missed him. And um, Harry seemed to lose his head at different points in the game as well, which um, mm. wasn't great. But um, as I said, Nelson with his offloads and his... Big, strong carry, especially towards that last 10 minutes. He looked like the only opportunity they had with him popping an offload for him to maybe score at the end of the game and steal it. And Jerome Hughes broke five or six tackles on his own, just running that good line on the outside of the halves and in between the centres. And he looked like putting them away at different points in the game as well. Uh, But that didn't happen, obviously. There's a lot of errors from Remy Smith and um, Jennings. Well, the Jennings bomb try, he just completely dropped it with the line open. Uh, He should have just strolled over and scored and it should have been 6-4 or 6-all early in the game, but that didn't happen. Um, And, yeah, those mistakes, when they did get it wide, they seemed to make mistakes. And if they didn't make mistakes, it went back into the middle of the field and Penrith just shut them down. So Penrith's defensive effort was amazing. I hate to say it, I thought they they missed Nico. I thought Nico plays fullback for a lot of this game. They probably do produce a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he had a little, he he has a, a he has a great sense of calm as well. Well, he would uh, have been there with Jerome when Jerome did make those breaks down the side. Yeah, whereas Pappenhausen wasn't anywhere to be seen when that. Yeah, happened, but. but Nico used to play with that bit of calm as well, uh, mm-hmm. or does play. But um, yeah, look, Penrith have now put two grand final performances back to back. I guess you have got to give him credit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I sort of concur for Ollie that it just wasn't Melbourne's, uh, you know. Best by far from their best oh, performance, but um, yeah. whether or not they've they just had a really good draw, or whether they they were good enough at times to get out of situations and just weren't in this case. Uh, and you got to give credit to Penner for that, as you said. Their scramble was just as important. So, well, yeah. I was having a, a a think earlier in the week, back to earlier this season. It was it was definitely one of you two. It wasn't me, but I believe it was our round one preview show and one of you sort of oracleized or saw into the future with Melbourne um, because we talk about who might have been a, a missing link. Well, Cameron Smith certainly, and it was, I believe it was one of you two who said that um, we won't really grasp or notice um, the impact of Cameron Smith leaving until the end of the year when it comes to a big game that they've got to win and he could be the difference maker. And you know, that they'd be fine throughout the season. They could still be flying. But when it comes to that game, that's when we're going to see. And I, I'm not going to out and out say Melbourne win this game if Cameron Smith plays, but Jesus Christ, they certainly don't play that bad. 
they would have put a lot more pressure on, especially with the kicking game. He would have got them down into corners and stuff when um, Melbourne were getting a bit frantic. He would have calmed them down. But yeah, it was probably me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, I agree. Uh, well, the, when you look back across the season, I think the one thing you can say about Melbourne is they were frantic a lot of the time and got away with it a lot of the time. So, Different games when the pressure was on, they did. They sort of lost their way and started going sideways or sort of running around in circles a little bit. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll look at what that means for next year at another time. Uh, any final takeaways, boys? I think we covered pretty much everything. I had Capewell as the man of the match. I had him with the three points, um, worked his absolute backside off, as did Yo. I gave Cleary the two points just because he was the defining play with the kick, and Yo the one. Uh, also, Appy was um, a hell of a lot better than I think it was probably Appy's best game of the year. Mm. Considering, um, you know, that, that a lot of that came off the back of Penrith sort of, they tired Melbourne out a little bit with their constant side to side. Like they were playing a lot of lateral football and playing through the edges and the centres, which stretched their forwards a bit. But Appy actually got out and ran the ball quite a few times and actually made an impact, which he hasn't done for a while. So, no, I, I actually did have no disagreement off any of that. So, happy to bank those points. Uh, and Draw the curtain on our prelim final review. Uh, given we've gone 45, we might cut this and come back with a, a standalone show for the grand final. If that sounds all right for you two fine gentlemen. Oh, there's a grand final this weekend. Completely. Uh, I've heard. Mm. Uh, so uh, 